I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell. Sorry. (laughs) There's the podcast intro. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. It's me, Bridget Hustley. (laughs) Welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Husswait. I might sound a little chirpy right now, which I am, but I'm also, full disclosure, just on like my period deathbed. I'm feeling so shit. (laughs) This happens every month. Well, I mean, obviously my period happens every month, but a, a big symptom of my endometriosis is just like how debilitating my period can be and that has been the case for the last few days which is really annoying because it's so nice and sunny in Melbourne but I have just been kind of moping around but it's all good it's going to be done in a few days I'm going to be moving at the end of this week and I actually had my final podcast guest in this house over the weekend and she came over straight from performing a drag brunch in South Yarra I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation because it's with the one and only Gabriella Labucci. So you might know her as the runner-up of Drag Race Down Under Season 3. It just wrapped up and Gabriella was such a star of the season and it's funny because I actually know Gabriella from a while back and I know Gabriella as Cammy. So we go way back. We worked our first jobs together in Ballarat. That's where we're both from. That's where Gabriella still lives. And we have a massive catch up in this conversation. Um, you're going to hear about our first jobs together. It's a bit like a, a, a bit of a trauma dump, I suppose, but it's so funny just reflecting on, on what it was like for us in high school working our first jobs and also just getting to know when the drag journey started for Gabriella Labucci. Like we had to, we were making up for so much lost time in this conversation. It was so good. Um, I loved hearing about this journey and also her first drag gig, which was in Ballarat. And you'll also get a bit of a taste of like the the very real nature of the gig economy, because this is such a common thing in creative fields, like just knowing what kind of balance and juggling act you have to make in order to pursue a passion that is, you know, creatively inclined. Like for me, music presenting, I was juggling jobs at like cafes and call centers whilst doing casual shifts at Triple J, like right up until that point that I got a full-time gig. Um, the, The grind, the hustle is very real and the exact same has, you know, been Gabriella's experience too. You'll hear about the whole audition process for Drag Race Down Under, things I never even knew about the competition too. It was a very interesting kind of behind the scenes um, look into the competition that Gabriella was able to provide in this conversation and also hearing her coming out story because I was trying to put the pieces together and whether or not Gabriella slash Cam came out whilst we were you know working our high school jobs together trying to put together a bit of a timeline so yeah I learned so much in this chat also Gabriella sharing her story meeting Lady Gaga so iconic and so many other things. I'm sure, I don't want to give everything away here, but we're covering a lot of ground. So I just want to give you a heads up as to what you're going to hear because beyond drag and, you know, the job hustle and everything, you're going to hear about what it's been like to obtain an ADHD diagnosis and how that's kind of impacted Gabriella's life. We cover all of this and so much more and why at 31, Gabriella Labucci is happier than ever. We love to hear it. We love to see it. So let's go. Gabriella Labucci. Yep. Bitch, welcome to Figuring Out 30. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, we have a bit to catch up on. Firstly, obviously, congrats on coming runner-up in RuPaul's Drag Race Season 3. What the fuck? 
Um, well, I believe it was uh, – I can't remember who it was. It was Crystal Method season. They said losing is the new winning and uh, I won. Slay bitch. Yeah, I won. Yes. And you've just come off Work the World Tour. You yes. were like playing arenas. Uh-huh. What the hell was that like? Um, it was very much so that uh, Lady Gaga reference, bus, club, another club, playing next place, <laughs> yes. no sleep. It was very much so that. Um, yeah. Like, for instance, Isis and I had to go to Sydney for the finale – and then we flew in this teeny tiny dingy little plane to Canberra, did the show in Canberra, got on a bus, went to Sydney, got into bed at like four in the morning and then did a show that night oh as well. Oh, my God. Okay, wait, timeline, have I cooked it? Because wasn't – and the night that it was aired though, wasn't it that it the overlapped. Melbourne? It overlapped. So Isis and I didn't do the show in Melbourne. Oh, okay. We were given the choice because yeah. um, obviously – it was paid work to do yeah. the tour, whereas the finale party was not paid work. So they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I have a chance of winning, so I want to go and watch Steve. Obviously. Um, but the but floor and uh, Hollywood obviously knew that they weren't going to win, so they are like, we'll stay on the tour. Oh, got it. Okay, makes so much mm-hmm. sense now. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned Lady Gaga, and I feel like we have to kind of talk about that because you've actually met Lady Gaga. I did once upon a time, but you know what? Lady Gaga met me. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. What year was that? That was like a decade oh, ago, Oh, God, right? that was like... 2012, 2013, yeah. Oh, my God, decade. Now I feel so old. Thank you. No, Thank hey, you, figuring out 30. <laughs> Us old hens. Um, so was it after one of her shows? Was it in Australia? Yeah, it was in Melbourne. It was at the Born This Way Ball that she did way <sighs> back when because there was a concert uh, at Rod Laver Arena, I believe it was, um, and she was singing the song Bad Kids from uh, the album Born This Way and yeah. everyone's throwing presents and I, funnily enough, through a crochet blanket that I had used from camping out the night before to be front row. And um, she caught it and she was like, who threw this? Come backstage after the show. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was another little nod to why crochet had to be the entrance look yeah. for, for Drag Race because crochet, funnily enough, has gotten me to some pretty good places. Oh, so. that's, that's an Easter egg. Mm. Wow. So were you like the only person who got to go backstage for that? I was about like 10. Okay. 10 and was people. she amazing? Oh, it was mental. It was only like a two-minute interaction, but yeah. she sprayed us all with um, that black perfume she had. The oh, yes. Oh, yes. Be- before it had been released. Yep. So we were just like, oh, my God, waiting for it to come out. And I still have a bottle to this day, which I wear on special occasions, such as tour and finale. Yeah. And, um, Vintage. Yeah, very much so. It's probably falling to, um, to pieces. Like I know perfume doesn't last but wow. I'm keeping it and I don't care if it smells bad now. I'm still going to wear it on a special occasion. Dude, I would like die to meet Lady Gaga and I haven't seen her live before. Oh. She is. I, my biggest regret is not seeing her when she supported Pussycat Dolls oh, in like 2011 God, I think yes. it was. And everyone went for her and they literally like so many people left just after her because a lot of her – obviously a lot of her mm. fans – you just go for her and maybe they weren't so much in the Pussycat Dolls, but like she had a bigger crowd than the headliner. That's camp. I love that. (laughs) I know. So we have history. Mm. So before we get into your drag journey and I guess your journey into your 30s, let's Mm -hmm. fucking wind it back. We worked our first jobs together. Mm -hmm. Back at the old McDonald's on Sturt Street in Ballarat. (laughs) Now question for you, Bridget Huxwaite. Do you remember... How long the fries cook for and at what temperature? Oh, shit. Uh, I should have known that you were going to ask this. <laughs> I got a blood nose on my first fry shift. <laughs> that heat. Okay. Is it like, was it two or three minutes? Two minutes 55 to three minutes <sighs> five at 186 How do you still know this? I have no idea. I just have pointless <laughs> trivia stored in my brain and you salted it in the triple arch motion. I didn't know that. I uh, said so I never did that in my time. <laughs> they always chucked me on fries. We were hired around the same time yeah, though, probably. I think. Um, and I remember doing a lot of – you were often an order taker or a cashier and I yes. was too. I feel like we yes. were down that and I fucking hated like this McDonald's is gonna... full stop. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm buying all the, um, the Macca's range at Pete Alexander. <laughs> I can't get enough. No, but it's like the trauma from like Friday night drive through. Mm. No. What was your favourite, like, job to work and your least favourite? Because I hated oh. being, like, a runner or a presenter or order-taking without a cashier. That was so dog. I actually really loved being on fries. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't have to talk to anyone. Yeah. I could just have my shit together and I had, like, enough, like, awareness to be like, oh, it's getting busy, I need to drop more and all that sort of stuff and just constantly have it going. But I remember a certain manager one time, if you're listening, mm, um, It's funny because I feel like I know I, who You know exactly is. which one I'm talking about. Um <laughs> Had a go at me one time in the drive-thru, not in the drive-thru. Um, I was on the fries and she was like, why are you standing still doing nothing? And another manager was like, have you had to wait once on fries? Yeah. And she was like, no. And she's like, he's not doing nothing. He's just like 
waiting for you to take the stuff. Yeah. So calm your farm. Oh my God. This is absolutely the same manager Ooh. that I dreaded doing drive through with. Like the one that the would anxiety. famously take people outside to the car park and rip a new asshole. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, look, look, we won't go there. No, but, it doesn't um, matter because it's only, what, 100 years later and we're still salty about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as salty as the fries. Yeah. Did you do kids' parties as well? I remember you yes. were in McCafe for a bit yes, and I was, I was so a party jealous. Host. I did everything. I just yeah. put my hand up for everything. And then when you weren't there, I did management as well and fucking hated my life. Mm. Mm. They I never love let being me into- 18 <laughs> and doing overnight by myself. It was great. Yeah, I love great. when you were meant to knock off at like 8 o'clock and your parents are like parked out in front of Pinky's Pizza and you weren't allowed to leave until the bins were sanitised and you would like until you finished your job. So if it was like <sighs> 8.40 on a school night, isn't that ruthless thinking that we did like a whole day? Like that is just retail and like it, being a teenager, fuck me, like doing a whole day of school, VC or whatever – and then going to work like you're four to eight or four to nine. Yeah, it's awful, <laughs> awful. And then they'll call you at first thing on Saturday morning, six o'clock Saturday morning. Oh, someone's just called in sick. Can you come in? Crack it I don't drive. Do yeah. So I have to ask my parents, can you get your parents to drop? Oh, they don't want to drop. Oh, just ask them. Awful. <laughs> it's so fucked. So I'm glad that we got to bond over that trauma. Look <laughs> at us now. Trauma bonding. It's always Truly. fun. And look, Daisy's on my lap as she always is for my podcast recordings. You also were a stunning like stylist groomer for my parents' dog, Missy. Yes. R.I.P. Yes, but let's not talk about a drag queen being a groomer because there's, <laughs> a, there's enough of that talk going around. <laughs> but different was... kind, different kind. <laughs> but the episode of the, um, the makeovers with the dogs, mm. as soon as I saw that, I was like – you are going to slay this. And it was you got such a gorgeous, mm. well-behaved dog that did tricks mm-hmm. well, for what we saw. I don't know if that was, that was a good edit. But. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Little Billy was gorgeous and she was so well-behaved and so was Aaron, the, the person I had to make over. He was very well-behaved as well and just did exactly what I asked of him yeah. and more so. Like I, I just wanted him to shave his moustache and he came in the next day and he'd shaved his arms, his chest, his legs. And I was like, honey, you're going to wear tights. I have hairy legs. <laughs> <I don't- laughs> That's fine. That's amazing. Bless his little heart. But, oh, the anger and the frustration that all of us girls felt when they said, oh, you have to include the dog. Oh. We had no idea that there would be a dog there. Right. Nor was there anything provided for us to include the dog with. Oh. Mm. So you – wait, what do you mean? So you had to just go from scratch and – terms of like making yeah they didn't give us like any fabric they didn't give us any materials to make something for the dog to include them into the the challenge eventually they did like i don't know climb into the bloody attic of the shed that we film it in and then they're like oh here's this box of crap that we've got if you can use anything out of that think of that i don't know but they knew the makeover challenge was coming i didn't get any makeup for my person any of any tights or anything really if you look at the episode back, we are quite considerably different skin tones. Like he's a much deeper skin tone than I. So I very much so lucked out that the shade I used for contouring was yeah. a perfect match for his skin tone. Oh, my god! But fuck me, Dad, I was so worried. I was yeah. like, I, I'm already getting told off about my makeup and now you're not giving me anything to do someone else's face. Fuck, what yeah. do I do? Yeah, that's so weird that you don't have those resources. Mm. I was going to ask too because I over the time, like this is kind of jumping forward a bit, but we may as well while we're on it. Why not? Um, With the – like, you know, as the seasons have evolved, I feel like there has been more of a focus on the queens designing and dressmaking in the studios, like the textiles component, but that's kind of, yeah, like diminished a bit over mm-hmm. time. So it's weird that, yeah, they bring in these this kind of challenge and they don't have those resources yeah, for you. Yeah, they um, probably should know better considering we're into season 1895 <laughs> of Drag Race globally. Yeah. So weird. Okay. Well, we have a bit to catch up on because I swear the last time I would have seen you was probably like, I don't even know, probably would have been dropping Missy off to get like Mm. styled and get her nails painted. Um, And a lot has happened. I want to kind of wind back to, yeah, like when you got into drag and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was it like, were you thinking about this stuff? Were you um, like watching, you know, drag shows or consuming drag content when in high school, like when we were working together, like um, was it that early? Or? Yes and no. Like I did a couple of musicals in high school and stuff but never like considered drag but any time that the heels were floating around I was like, oh, I can throw them on, I love them. Ah. <laughs> yeah. That was always fun, love running around in heels. But yeah. it wasn't until about 2013, 2014 that I started playing with drag because RuPaul's Drag Race came into my life. Like I'd seen it before but I'd never like watched it, if yeah. you know what I mean. 
And I binged it. Did you? From the first it. season? It was, uh, yeah, one to six was all that was available at that point in time. And I watched it again and again and again and again and again. And I just loved everything about it. And I was like, oh, if I had to do that challenge, I'd do this or I'd do that. And I was like, well, why don't I do that? And here we are. But, you know, pre-drag race, I would have to fight tooth and nail to get a gig here, there, anywhere. Right. Because it's at every doorstep. You, you walk down Smith Street and you've got, you know, your yayas and your circuit and mollies yeah. and all that sort of stuff. You can see drag anywhere you bloody go, whereas Mm. in the regional areas they appreciate it so much more because it's not at their disposal every two seconds. So what was your first gig? Was it in Ballarat? Yeah. What was it? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm trying to think of what it would have been called back when you were in Ballarat. Um, (laughs) It's changed a lot. Was it Depot? Where? where? Bended Elbow? Yeah. The train station? Yes, yes, it Bended Elbow. And then. Element um, is what it was called when I was performing there. Right. Okay. So they were putting on, like, how many drag queens? Like, were there other drag queens in Ballarat? There was other people that did drag, yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we used to have a a queer friendly night once a month. Right. That was it, once a month. And there was maybe like four or five of us that would rotate. So you'd be lucky if you got on for the month anyway. Right. But I was lucky enough that I was good. And they were like, oh, no, we want you again and again and again and again and again. And then Piano Bar opened many years later and I was fortunate enough to get a couple of gigs here and there and they, you know, saw something in me and they were like, oh, please, we want you to be the weekly. And Mm -hmm. I got to become essentially the resident queen there and it just gave me so much freedom to just run amok and have so much fun with it. How good. So it's kind of like your own little blank canvas where you could Mm -hmm. just – really experiment with how you would put on a show mm-hmm. like a, and were you Gabriella Labucci from the beginning from day dot and that was from a friend who would like what was the fucking story like how <laughs> it's in your friend circle someone kept saying it right um so what happened was so I wasn't actually there at the inception I was like hearing a story and uh-huh. I was like oh I love this so some friends had gone up to uh I want to say Falls Festival Groove in the Moo one of those yeah um a festival where you take lots of naughty drugs <laughs> and um he had taken I want to say LSD, MDMA, cocaine. All of this? Yeah, 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 all at the same time. We were wild back in the day, my love. (laughs) And and he had weed and he couldn't roll. I was a full-time smoker. Most of us were full-time smokers. In any event, anything that he was at, he would always ask us to roll joints for him. At this festival, the people that were with him were like, no, if you want it, you smoke it, you, you roll it yourself. So he's under the influence, trying to roll these joints and he has this big floppy joint that's falling to pieces and he has these big old bug eye sunglasses on and sparks it up and feels like Gabriella Labucci smoking this joint. It was just complete nonsense that came out of his mouth. Just a random name. Yep, just randomly came to him and he was just, yeah. I love that That's it. They told me the story and I was like, that's camp. I'm going to look it up and it didn't exist. I was like, that's that's the name. That's it. Because I didn't want something that's like, you know, so many puns in a lot of drag queen names which would box me into one genre, which uh-huh. would be essentially comedy. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily have to, but I liked the idea of having a bit of a, a, a beige name, if you will, because it um, sets no expectation. So were you open with doing drag from the get-go or did you have to hide it from No, anyone? no, I um, just pretty much created an Instagram profile for Gabriella from day one. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to do it now, give it a go, whatever. I didn't blatantly tell like my family or anything, but they all found it, followed it, and they're just like, yeah, whatever, good on you. And was this post coming out? Oh, yeah, very much so. So when did you come out? Did I know you when you were out? No. I don't like. No, I was too shy. I was an awkward, shy, little self-hating teenager. Oh, doll. Oh, it happens. It (laughs) happens. Um, No, I came out probably about 18 because like I was out going to the the local gay night that we had once a month. and And that was at Element. No, this one was at Hyder. Oh, really? I didn't know that. This is when I was 18. So I started drag when I was like 22, 23. That was at Element. But, yeah, Gay Night used to be at Hyder. Did And um, I remember mum picked me up one time and I had a a wristband on. She's like, oh, where have you been? I was like, oh, Gay Night because I'm gay. And that's how you came out. Yeah, and she's like, okay, cool. You guys have had a really good relationship. I mean, yeah. like she worked with us at like in, in the mm-hmm. cafe and stuff. And she's and she's always... the manager we were talking about earlier. No, <laughs> oh my god, imagine that for a fucking mum's a bitch. <laughs> mum's a mull. <laughs> <laughs> Mum traumatized so many children at McDonald's. No. Um, oh my god, speak. I didn't actually mention it before when we were talking about the kids' parties. I was like the first party host to put a kid in timeout because they threw a fucking shoe at me, and I was like. 
you're going in timeout just on the spot. I was I like, I've had that. it. And I, I don't think that. I did after that. I was like, I'm not doing kids' parties anymore. Yeah. It was the parents that broke the camel's back for me. Yeah. I had one parent who was just like so anal and pushy about this party and I was like, mate, it's a Macca's party <laughs> and I'm literally 16 years old. What do you want from me? Literally getting paid like $8 an yeah. hour. Like, what do Awful. you want? Awful. <laughs> but anyway, going back to coming out in the car after a night out at Haida, that was it. Yeah, that's it. So simple. Oh, my God. And I don't think I even had a conversation with Dad about it. Mum was like, do you want me to tell Dad? I was like, eh, sure, whatever, I don't care. It was just like a very blasé whatever because we had the conversation when I was hungover, first yeah. of all. So I was just like, I'm not in the mood to talk. I don't want to talk about yeah. this. But also I was like, it's not even a big deal. At that point I was just like, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like I'd rather everyone know so I can just not have to feel awkward or like I'm hiding who I am and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And were there other points leading up to that where you're like, I think now's the time that I'm going to do it, and then you didn't? Oh my god, so many times it's on the tip of the tongue, like in the like in the frontal lobe of the cortex. You're just like, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay, and you just want to like scream it to yeah. people. If it's just like, and then what's holding oh. like what would be holding you back, especially from telling your parents? Was it um, just- well, I said um, on on Drag Race in the finale that, that I always had the fear of like. Well, my pop was minister of the church. So, right. like, am I going to be accepted? Like, there's never really been any, like, there's no, there's no reason to think that I, I wouldn't be accepted, but what if? Yeah. Because, unfortunately, it's a cruel, cruel world. And yes. we know that people get kicked out for being gay and we know that the church has been very anti-homosexual before and all that sort of stuff. And, you'd, yeah, just without knowing, you just yeah. create false narratives in your head and run yeah. with them and panic and hate yourself. Yeah. It's good fun. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Highly love, recommend. Love to hate yourself. <laughs> so what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing drag? Oh, that is a great question. I would be very, 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 very confused. Please still not um, be doing uh, fries. I probably, no, I wouldn't be doing fries. I'd probably be picking orders at Woolies or something because that's what I was doing before I left for Drag Race. So. Were you? Yeah. So, okay, let's, how about we kind of um, dissect or just lay it out like the realities of the grind, I guess, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. like any creative pursuit, but especially, yeah, if you, you know, are kind of climbing mm-hmm, the Drag Race mm-hmm. ladder or whatnot. Um, cause very often it's like the gig economy, you're doing like a casual job and it can be, I used to work at yellow espresso, mm-hmm. like when I was at triple J until I got a full-time job, I would be, um, this is a cafe on like the main strip in Ballarat. So I'd do a fucking 7am to 2pm and then maybe get a call up. Like you, can we get you to fill in on one of the night shows, drive straight down to Melbourne, prep for the show, drive back to Ballarat. Or if I was doing the mid dawn shift, which is 1am to 6am, like, yeah, you you balance mm-hmm. shit and you have a very um, humbling alternative, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very nice that um, when I started working at Woolies, I had very much so clearly set boundaries from the get-go mm-hmm. and said this is my side hustle, drag is my career. Mm-hmm. There will be times when I need to just drop out of a shift because I've had a better offer come through essentially and mm-hmm. they were just like, look, as long as you can give us notice – and transparency, we're keen. That's fine. It's, it's hard fine. to find that. Mm. Yeah. But I think they just like respected it because A, I was upfront and honest, but B, I worked hard when I was You're there. You're a good worker. I worked hard when I was there, but like I'd still come in if they wanted me to, if I could. Mm-hmm. But once Drag Race was done and dusted, I was like, see ya. Because <laughs> I, I just couldn't find the motivation to get out of bed and go to Woolies. I was like, with all the work that's going to be coming my way, yeah, I just physically can't do it. And yeah. even then I was still at a point where I probably could have done drag full time because I was doing a lot of hens parties, a lot of corporates, uh, just birthdays, private functions and stuff. So I was getting enough work that I could have done it, but mm-hmm. I've got a little bit of debt behind me. You've got to pay the bills, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So it's just having that security blanket of having – a regular source of income mm. versus the the gigging because you're not guaranteed work. Yeah. Well, has the gigging ever got so hard that you're like, God, I don't know if this is going to pay off? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No. That's good. It's, um, people, especially with thank you to Drag Race, like yeah. people appreciate what goes into drag and pay accordingly. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just paying for someone to come and perform. You're paying for the fact that, They've had to spend an hour and a half putting their face on the products that they've had to use, the costumes, the wigs, the shoes, the tights, the the padding, the transport, the, the equipment snatching. that you might need to take, like the fact that you are going to be in discomfort, hiding your genitals, like mm. all the things, all the things. It's just so much goes into it. It's not just like one – it's not It's not any regular performing at all. It's just 
a little amalgamation of everything mm-hmm. into one. What was it about getting on season three? Did you audition for one or two or were you just holding off until mm. maybe you got to a, per- a certain point? Like, Well, season one we didn't get the chance to audition because it was filmed during COVID. So they picked? Yes. they. I think I think they handpicked maybe like oh, 30, 40 people to submit an application and then they picked who they wanted. Okay. Uh, season two, they opened the doors to everyone and, yep. yes, I threw my hat in the ring. I was not ready. No. I was not ready. I wasn't gigging full time. I was just lucky if I got anything mm-hmm. at that point. But then we flipped the script and we went, right, we're actively seeking work. We're making this a career mm-hmm. and the work was coming in. And then they opened the doors for season three and I was like, well, we'll throw the hat in the ring. If I get on, great, we take that path. If I don't, we take this path. Both are leading to success in drag. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. So what's the audition process like? Oh, bitch. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you have to create a video. Okay. And that video goes for about 25 minutes. Wow. And it contains an About You questionnaire that goes for about 10 minutes, uh, two lip syncs, one to a song of their choice, one of your choice, um, a creative challenge where you have to create an outfit out of uh, unconventional materials, um, an acting challenge where you have to do a monologue, um, a portion where you chuck in any other talents that you may have. I think I'm forgetting something. But essentially every factor – oh, Snatch Game. You've got to do Snatch Game on there as well. Wow. Um, every factor of the show essentially you have to throw into your audition tape and keep it under 25 minutes. And, like, the file size has to be so small so I had to send it to someone to compress it to send it back to me yeah. to send it off. And so you have to kind of, like, edit everything mm-hmm. together. Oh, my God, so much hard work. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> made, I made a friend, like – just hold the camera and I'll just say, go, do this part, stop. And then like, cause I just had a vision board in my head and um, she's like. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Got no idea what you're doing here. I'm like, just, doesn't matter. Yeah. Just, just, just this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot. And then it all just came together. I was like, ah, oh, makes sense now. What was the turnaround for that? So like you found out that was the application and when was it due? Like you had a couple of weeks to do um, it? Yeah, I think you, I think they throw open the applications for like three weeks or so, wow. two and a half to three weeks or something like that. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you said. On top of doing the day job and the yeah. gigs as well. Yeah. So every time I was in face, I was like, what can I do today yes. to utilize the fact that I'm in makeup? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good thinking. So you send it in, you obviously mm-hmm. hear back, you get a call. For the shortlist, yes. Okay. Do you know how many are on the shortlist? Nope. Okay. No idea. Wouldn't have a clue, but I was just bricking it because I was like, I was picking <laughs> or- I was picking orders at Woolies and yeah. my phone rings and it's New Zealand. And I'm like, oh. It's them. Oh my God, it's New Zealand. New Zealand's <laughs> calling me. Oh my God. And I ran, I ran out the back. I was like, I don't care if I get fired for being on my phone. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like, they just call and they're just like, um, hi, just wanted to let you know you've been shortlisted. Um. We'll be in touch probably before Christmas. And that was it? And that was it. And then I waited and I heard nothing. And then Christmas passed and I'd still heard nothing. And then the New Year's passed and I heard nothing. What were you thinking? I was like, oh, maybe I haven't made the cart. Maybe I haven't made the cart. And then they call again. Wow. And again. And again. And every time they call, they just want something. Just something else. Just something else. Just one little tidbit like, are you vaccinated? (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) Would you be available between this date and this date? Okay, bye. Can we set you up an interview with a psych to make sure that you are mentally fit to potentially take part? Okay, bye. Uh, and they just do crumbs. little bits, little bits, little bits. Yeah, very much so pebbling, <laughs> just giving you a little bit by little bit by little bit. And eventually, eventually I got the call and they're like, we would love to fly you over to take part in the series. I was like, wow. yeah. Where were you when you got that call? Um, I was... I'm trying to think. Do you know where the Sebas Maccas is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you drive up from there, there's like that place that has like the the perspex, like the slides hanging off the side of the building. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Like, is this like uh, Albert like, I think so. R&J Batteries, I think. There's like a big roundabout. Um, I don't know. But anyway, you're in Sebas. 
Yeah, I, I was in Sebas <laughs> and we just pulled over and I was literally in like an industrial part of Sebas basically. Oh and I was God. like, oh, this is such an unglamorous place to get such a glamorous phone call. <laughs> so every time I drive past, I'm like, oh, it's such a special place. Yeah. Girl. So, and then how quickly did the season start from there? <gasps> um, I think after the phone, that phone call saying you're on it to going to film it, I had maybe five weeks, wow. four weeks, something like that. I know from the date that they gave us the list of runway themes to flying out was 35 days. Right. So I had 35 days to get my shit together and get on a plane. Have they always done it that mm-hmm. way? So you actually know what the challenges are ahead of time? I don't necessarily know the challenges, but they give a you a brief. list of they give you all the runway themes because, like, there's always the challenge and then the runway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they give you all of the runway themes, um, but they also give you a rough idea of something that could be for challenges. Like right. um, for the BMX bitches, it just said – uh, 80s choreographed routine. Right. That was it. 80s inspired choreography. So a lot so of us went like neons and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, what else did it say? Uh, pride inspired dance outfit. Glamorous dance outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, real housewives look. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what this is going to be, but in like obviously I'm just like, well, that's obviously going to be the acting challenge, mm-hmm. but you never know. They could just put something in there just for shits and giggles just to throw you off. Yeah. Because I think they do shit like that. So. Yeah. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, because, yeah, otherwise it does become too predictable. Like, mm-hmm. you need to have a bit of that spontaneous energy about it. Did you know you, – okay, so you knew Isis. Was she mm-hmm. the only queen that you knew before going in? Did you um, have – Personally, yes, yeah. yes, because Isis also works at Piano Bar. Like we never, we'd never. In Ballarat? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, so Isis lives in Melbourne, but like Piano Bar was in, um, there was one in Melbourne, not anymore. Um, Ballarat, Geelong, Indigo, Geelong yeah, and Colac. Geelong one, yeah. And like a lot of the girls who work the Piano Bar circuit would, you know, travel to all the different venues and gig all that sort of stuff. Funnily enough, had never had a gig with Isis though. Really? It had just never lined up and the one that we were going to have got cancelled. <gasps> Why? Oh, because it was in Colac and drag doesn't do well in Colac, <laughs> need I say that's more? such a niche place to do, mm. like, drag. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's so nice. That, like, it's so crazy mm. that then it's, like, you two are the final yeah, two. Yeah, but I'd seen her beforehand and, like, so I was just comforting knowing that I was going to know someone in there and, yeah. like, we got to have, like, little chats in the van even though you're not supposed to because they don't like us talking when it's not on camera. It was oh. just like, it's just going to be you and me. We're going to fucking make it to the end. Yes, we're going to – like, we're each other's support That's network nice. sort of thing and it just happened. So in between, I guess, filming, do they just send you straight back to a hotel room mm-hmm. and you're kind of just, like, kept mm-hmm. there? Yep, it's hotel, van, studio, van, hotel, backwards, forwards. That's it. Did that – Anything about that experience surprise you in terms of maybe how you handled it or anything? Um, not particularly because, like, I know a couple of people who have done it now. So, like, I, I knew what I was getting signed up for. Mm-hmm. I knew that there would be twists and turns. I knew that they would play games and try and mess with your head and mm-hmm. make commentary here and there to try and throw you off. And you just got to take everything with a grain of salt and just laugh it off and have fun. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised as to how much RuPaul loved you? Because yes. you clearly – like I was so happy for you from the get-go watching it. Like you got such a – like I, I don't want to say – it's not you got a good edit because you're a good person, but like you you got – like I'd be so happy with that mm. run if I was you. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, the, like he fully shipped you. We, 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 we got the the nickname. It was the Lawrence Cheney effect for the low <laughs> effect, you know. Rue doesn't bestow a little nickname or a fun pronunciation for Truly. every queen. Like the only ones – who can I think of? We've got Ivy Winters. May I call Ivy you G- yeah. Winters. Ivy Winters. May I call you Jiggly? Um, Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney and Willow Pill are like <laughs> yeah. the only ones that I can think of. And you. And me. That's actually crazy. Yeah, it's mental. Well, and it wasn't until about maybe episode four or five that I was like, oh, shit, I've got to lean into this. I see what's happening now. Because initially I was just like, oh, yeah, it's a thing, but I'm not Italian, so I better not respond. I don't want Italian people to be grumpy yeah. with me. But then I was like, oh, no, this is marketable. I can do this. this is, yes, I better do this. Yeah. And was that one, kind of when you also realised maybe like, wow, he actually mm. like – or did you feel that from the get-go or were you just like it's just um, being supportive or whatever? Yeah, I honestly had no idea what I thought Rue thought of me because what you see on camera is essentially the only time that we get with Rue. We mm-hmm. don't get much at all off camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perfect example that I'm trying to explain here is um, the mini challenge on episode two, the the quick drag one. Mm-hmm. When we went in and did the the sexy selfies in the bedroom with the pit crew. Yes, yes. I was taking photos and I took charge and Rue gave me nothing. And just I was like, standing there? Yeah, just standing there. And it's just like occasionally making a little comment or whatever. And then I go to the green room and I can hear Rue howling and cackling at some of the other girls and I was like, 
oh, okay, yep, I've done really badly. And then I won the thing. I was like, how is this happening? But um, I think maybe she just appreciated that I went in and commanded the space and was like, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. Just leave it with you. Just because she wasn't laughing doesn't necessarily mean I didn't win it authentically. Yeah. Yeah. You said in the finale, Mm -hmm. and this was something that stuck out to me a lot, I mean for everyone obviously, Mm -hmm. but for someone who knows you and knows a a very young Cameron, Uh Cammy, when you said you were proud to be here but not just be here like – in the race here in life Mm -hmm. and I yeah this is why I'm so excited to talk to you like such a huge catch-up just kind of you know learning about everything that's happened to you since we Mm -hmm. like worked our last shift together or whatever or dropped Missy off um because this kind of relates to the the journey of getting the um ADHD diagnosis Mm -hmm. which I had no idea about was this something you were navigating whilst at in high school like no not at all I had no idea right no idea whatsoever it wasn't until like some new friends came into my life and they're just like honey are you are you familiar with ADHD and I was like what are you talking about they're like can you just have a little read of this and I was reading some articles and stuff I'd never felt more personally attacked in my life like like, what kind of symptoms um just like the not being able to sit still, um the the zoning in and out of conversation and Mm -hmm. then like like you might ask me something and then I'll say what but as you go to repeat yourself, I answer the question because the penny drops. It's like, oh, no, I did actually hear what you said. It's just uh, a big one that I didn't get to talk. Well, I did talk about it on the show. I just didn't make the cut. Um, RSD, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, where people take things to heart so personally, but there's no need to right. whatsoever. So the prime example I use for this is like you might be having a party mm-hmm. and you've invited someone over here, but I'm here as well and I'm still part of the group. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you can come as well if you want. But my brain would go oh, oh, do you even want me there? I don't know about that. Oh, you've only invited me because you feel awkward because you've invited this person but you didn't invite me and now you don't actually want me there but you're inviting me out of obligation. Oh, my God. And then just create all these mm-hmm. narratives in my head and, oh, my God. Huh. So you were experienced – like once you got, um, I guess, these articles and reading about it, is that when you started – like who, when did you t- like go see a, a doc? Like what the fuck do you do? Um, well, um, <laughs> What did you do in this? Uh, well, what I did yeah. was funnily enough have someone in my life who also has ADHD who was like, here, honey, try a Ritalin. Okay, straight up. <laughs> yep, just straight up let me try one. And I was <laughs> like, well, go. it's either going to be beneficial or it'll make me bounce off of the walls that apparently that's what happens to people who don't need it. So um, I took it and the best description for it is like there's fog in my brain and it just had lifted. Really? Yeah. It was like, oh, my God, I can actually focus on one thought. I'm not having a thought. I'm not trying to think about what I'm saying to you. I'm not hearing a song in the back of my head. I'm not thinking about that awkward interaction that I had with someone five weeks ago. So that's what it's like happening all at once in your Uh brain to kind of paint the picture for Uh someone who doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much going on. There's a lot of TikToks that go on where, like, there's lots of um, sound. If I can find one, I'll send it to you. Um, It's (laughs) like a hectic mashup. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Very much so a hectic mashup, but, like, it's too much overlapping. But the thing is, like, I didn't know that that wasn't the norm. Yeah. Because I had no education around it. I had no frame no, of reference. No, yeah. I had no point of reference to, to know that that wasn't normal, you know. Yeah. I, Man, they yeah. really miss a lot of things in the health curriculum. Yeah, Endo, they really do. They ADHD. really do. They really do. And like my friends would be talking and I would just like completely zone out and start like dancing around the kitchen. They're like, oh, he's just on screensaver mode. It's like, no, people don't have screensaver mode. That's not normal. That's not mode. <laughs> <laughs> so when was it the most difficult to kind of manage and, and navigate? Like when would you feel like you were kind of at your lowest with it? Oh, honestly, it was just like constant feelings of guilt, constant feelings of obligation of like I'm letting people down but I'm also burning myself out because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to people please, massive people pleaser, struggling to keep up with such simple tasks Mm. like organisation, cleaning up after myself, which, you know, funnily enough, clean as you go, should be instilled into me. me. And at work (laughs) we'll do it. We'll we'll do it without a heartbeat because there's that expectation I'll be letting people down. At home it's my space. Let it be a pigsty. I didn't care because I'm like, well, it's my space. However, there can be mounts of garbage and shit everywhere but you need a bobby pin. I can tell you if you lift up that bag and go (laughs) through that cardboard box under five layers of paper, there's a bobby pin there. (laughs) Did you say on the show – Self-medicated. Yes. So I, for a long time, was smoking the marijuanas. Yeah. Um, and I, this is before even knowing what the ADHD was, I I would just justify it to people like, you know, people come home from work and they just have a wine. Yeah. I was, I was just having a joint just to 
unwind from the day because I liked it how it just made everything slow down. Mm-hmm. But why does it need to slow down? Mm-hmm. It doesn't for regular, for neurotypical people I should say. It's, yeah. yeah, I just didn't realise that I was doing it so much because I liked that it made everything just stop mm-hmm. for a minute. So when did you realise that you – so do you you don't smoke anymore? Nope. When did you decide, no, this isn't – did you – were you like, this isn't helping? Is that what you um, came to the realisation? Oh, no, it was more just that I was starting to get more work in drag and I was performing a lot and I was really puffed and out of breath so I wanted to stop smoking cigarettes and I was like, well, if I'm not smoking cigarettes, I should stop smoking weed as well. Yeah. And it was around the same sort of time that, like, I was looking at getting a diagnosis. So everything sort of just, like, fell into place one thing after the other after the other and it just all happened perfectly at the right time. Yeah. So when did you get the diagnosis? Yeah, like probably – November, wow. October, November, maybe. Yeah. And did that yeah. just like what was the feeling? Because I know when I got my endo diagnosis, and like it was very mm. validating just to mm. have a, a, not a label, but like the, now an I know an explanation. Yeah, an explanation. Yeah. Is that what you felt? Kind of. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It was um almost like there was a grieving process. Oh, there is because ta- this sounds so silly. I I took Ritalin for one of the first times at home, and get this right, I got out of bed. And I took it and I'd made my breakfast. Mm-hmm. You following? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made the breakfast. I ate the breakfast and then I instantly cleaned up after myself and I cried. I cried and cried and cried because not once in my 31 years of existence had I ever been able to make breakfast, clean up after breakfast. And the dishes would just go on the sink and that's a problem for another time. Really? Can't deal with that now. doesn't spark joy. Need to run away. Can't do it. Ugh. Yeah, right. And how do you feel about it moving forward and how you navigate? Um, I just feel it? like I'm making up for lost time, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like I'm pushing through, taking on the absolute most, especially with Drag Race just happening. Like I've got a lot of opportunity coming my way. Bring it on. Seize I'm taking it, bitch. everything I yep. can possibly do because – I've got a lot of catching up to do. I yeah. locked myself away in my room for literally like 10 years of my life. Mm. So Just hating myself. It, so did it really affect like your social life and all of those things? Um, Relationships? Yeah, yeah. Like I live in the same town as my parents yeah. and like I would, wouldn't go and see them that frequently. I mean I still don't at the moment because I'm off to We're busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. But yeah, I wasn't like going out to social events or anything. I'd be like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm just going to stay in. I'm just going to have a smoke. I'm just going to watch a movie and just fall asleep, you know, just whatever. And yeah. Honestly, TikTok has been like such a big help as well mm-hmm. because like I love that that's a platform where you start getting content brought to you based on your interests. And if you start looking up ADHD, you find other people with it and you go, oh my God, their experience is mine. I do that. That's me. And it's quite validating in that you see similarities in other people who have a formal diagnosis and you go, shit, maybe I should pursue this. TikTok is responsible for so many people seeking a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's been covered in Mm -hmm. the news being like, you know, that's actually been a real driving force. Mm. And there's obviously there can be, um, like I find it with endometriosis, sometimes there's a lot of misinformation that's out on social media, but there was like a report that just came out this last week about um, endo hospitalizations for people in their 20s and 30s. I think the age bracket was. It's more than doubled in the last decade. Mm. And it's 100% like a huge part of that is due to the awareness of social media as well. So like, yeah, it can, it honestly is like social media changed my life in terms mm. of an endo diagnosis. So and who same. would have thought back in the days of MySpace that social media was going to be something that would actually be helpful I know who knew it would go beyond a, a bulletin um quiz a top five friends yeah oh. or um uh pc for pc like oh for my like, god yes a little song what was your myspace song do you remember um great dj by the ting tings oh nice at one point at one point that's the one i can remember it was like a black and white checkerboard background with like a uh, little rainbow colored looking nails or something i don't know we were like coders like the yes. fact that we could like you know learn the coding to the get HTML like html coding yeah. to get that fucking myspace i mean i just copied and pasted other shit i, I, I didn't did too <laughs> but i was like that's actually so impressive let's go into expectation versus reality in mm-hmm. context of your 30s right mm-hmm. so cam growing up mm-hmm. what did you think you would be the kind of person you'd be or what you would have achieved by the age of 30 versus the reality of what your life was like at 30. Well, buckle in, sweetheart, because it's about <laughs> to get real. Let's go. Um, I always said I think I would be lucky to be alive at the age of 30. Really? Because I was a full-time smoker. I was doing drugs quite a lot. Um, poor diet, no sleep, 
running on the smell of an oily rag constantly. And I was like, well, I'm having fun. If it ends, it ends. You actually thought that you would not be alive. I mean, I joked about it, but like I suppose there was like a bit of truth to that little like, ah, I'll be dead by 30. Like, wow. Yeah. Approaching 30, did you stop to think what do I like who – who, who is this person as we hit 30? Did the idea of turning 30 scare you or anything? Um, no, I don't think it really scared me, the thought of turning 30, but, it, like, it happened and then I was like, maybe I probably should try and get my shit together really? now. Yeah. So what was happening, um, yeah, let's say day of turning 30, what was going on in your life? How would you describe your life? So when I asked that, a lot of people mm. might be like, Tired. <laughs> tired Mm. (laughs) when people answer this and they're like you know I thought 30 I'd be like married with kids or be in this particular job or Mm. be living somewhere else like so what was you know cam at 30 um I I think yeah very much so in a committed relationship I didn't know if marriage would have been a thing at that point in time because like it was only legal as of like five seconds ago yeah in in the grand scheme of things um, but yeah, married kids, marriage, mortgage, menopause, all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, are you in a relationship? No. But you thought you would. Uh, yeah, be. I thought. I thought by the age of thirty, I would have Got been, it. you know, with a partner, with kids. Yeah. Working away, paying off a house. Yep. Doing all that shit, raising a family. And thirty, so like single, without kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you look at you know Cam at thirty, um, and you know you've had a year of being in your thirties now, mm-hmm, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Are you happy? I'm stoked. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't be happier. Like I, I don't. I don't need a man to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't even think I want one because, like, I think I always wanted that validation of like a relationship and a family and all that sort of stuff to feel complete. But mm-hmm. like, I've really challenged my views on what a relationship is or what it means to be someone in society or something like that. And I don't even know if I want kids anymore. Mm. I don't know if I want a partner. I've been toying with the idea of me potentially being asexual, um, all sorts of things, and it just frees up a lot of time to focus on me. It's great. It's so good. I think as well with everything that's happening for you with drag, like this is the best time for you to just focus on yourself Mm -hmm. and what you Mm want to get out of your life professionally, Mm -hmm. personally, just within yourself, like enjoying your own company and setting your boundaries and all that kind of shit. Like it's a very, I was saying this to a friend who's just like called off an engagement and was saying the exact same thing to her. Like it's a very powerful position to be in. And sometimes people don't feel like that or they, Mm. they, they can't quite see it at that point. But do you feel like you see that? Like, you're like, this is fucking good. Absolutely. Like if anyone was to be with me, they should be so fucking lucky. Let me tell you, they (laughs) should be like, I will not be tolerating less than perfection if someone is going to be worthy of my time. Yep. Uh, And by that, I mean like romantically, like everyone is worthy of my time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting, especially now being, what I refer to as gay famous, uh, a lot of people know who I am yeah. and are making themselves very available. Oh, in the DMs? Yeah. Are you on apps? Yeah. Um, yes and no. Like I occasionally download the apps more so I did while I was on tour but not to like fool around with people or anything but just to be like, hey, you're the local queer community. Where do we go? Yeah. What's good to eat? Where's good to go clubbing? Where do we get good drinks? All that stuff. It's a very useful tool. Um, but then also it does it does come with um, a lot of uh, unsolicited Dick pics. imagery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. Like I'm happy to gander, but I don't want to – I don't need to have that anywhere near me. Yeah. Uh-uh. I don't want to put the work in. Get I'm away from fine. me. Yeah. I'm like, that's nice. Thanks for sharing. Where are yours? No. Not today. No, not ever. Not ever. Not ever. Not my thing. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not happening, doll. No. So you're feeling good about your 30s? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm in the best position in my life mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, everything – I'm fucking tired, mm-hmm. but it's different kind of tired mm-hmm. because like previously I was tired because I was locking myself and locking myself away and doing nothing with my life and just spiraling. Whereas now I'm exhausted because she's working. She's getting it done. She's working hard. Mm. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's so nice to see 
like, I just love seeing it, especially because I know that you've always been a very kind and caring person. You know, when you just like seeing good shit happen to good people, mm. so good. And I was so excited to see you on this season. And then just the, you've, yeah, to come runner up is amazing. Mm. I'm so thrilled about it too, because like, should be. it could be very much so the Shannon Noll effect, you know, <laughs> uh, people, <laughs> people who come runner up often do really, really well, if not better than the person who won it. So we'll see what happens. I'm always, yes, I will do a versus the world. Watching. <laughs> um, hopefully that opportunity comes. Yeah. So what is like the, yeah, the, what's next for Gabriella Labucci? Well, I would love to do music. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to travel globally because my first time going overseas was to film Drag Race. I've never been overseas. Oh, my God. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, dead set. She's I've never, never been... done Europe? No. Vegas? I didn't have the money. Wow. Yeah. I fair. had poor impulse control and any money I had went on cigarettes and drugs. Really? So I, that's, you know, another thing that was causing like the depression and all that sort of stuff. It's like I'm never going to get ahead because my addiction, all this sort of stuff is just like locking me down here. Yeah. But anyway, uh, would love to travel, would love to, what did I say, music travel, um, if the opportunity comes, I would gladly do another season, be it All Stars or Versus the World. Yeah. Um, oh, you'd be perfect on an All Stars. I would love or, it. And both Versus I the World. I would love it. Hopefully yeah. a Versus the World because, like, I love Down Under, but I would love to do a season that has more than $2 of a budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all love that. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it'd be good fun. Cam, Gabriella Libucci. So nice to catch up, have you on my potty, and can't wait to see you fucking slay it, queen. I know you said potty, but like. Oh, no, what do you think? Potty, potty? like oh. toilet. <laughs> camp, camp. I will gladly come and take a shit at your place anytime, Bridge. <laughs> Toilet's right there. Yes. <laughs> If you want to stay connected with Gabriella Labucci, I've popped her Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode. So follow her, stay up to date with all her upcoming gigs and also the link to her merch store. We've got some really cool t-shirts and pins. And yeah, if you have functions like hens, birthdays, whatever, and you want a drag queen, and especially if you're in Victoria and you're in you know, Melbourne or even like Geelong, Ballarat, whatever, book Gabriella. I am like, I'm not engaged, um, but if I ever do have a hens party, she's absolutely performing at mine. I've already shotgunned that. So yeah, get around her. She's an incredible performer and has just come runner up in Paul's Drag Race down under season three. So rightfully deserved. I mean, she's always been a winner in my eyes, but this is just the beginning for Gabriella Labucci. Woohoo! All right, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Figuring Out 30. I'm Bridget Hustaway. This podcast has been produced, created, everything has been done on the lands of the Wawandru people of the Kulin Nation, and it is an entirely independent project. So if you like what you're hearing, Please share it with your friends who you think may enjoy it as well. And if you have any time to leave a review and rating, because that really helps the podcast reach more people. Thanks so much. And I will catch you next week. I'll be coming to you from my brand new house. Woohoo. Okay. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.